Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. This is episode number 211. Uh, and we're catching back up with the executive director of Rugby Colorado, Angus Peacock. Um, in this ep- last time we talked to him, we chatted all about his history in rugby, his history as a coach, his history as a leader. Uh, we went into his stage race at the Gobi March. Um, and in this episode, we're kind of diving in. Uh, recently, he's been taking on this uh, one million step challenge, which he found out later is actually 1.7 million steps, uh, but it's basically a 900 mile event um, where you're trying to get 1.7 million steps by any means necessary. Uh, and really what he's doing is he's using the this whole, um, you know, major paradigm shift that we've all been in uh, due to COVID. He's using it as a way to kind of rediscover and build back up uh, different aspects of his life and one of them is just physical health uh and so we dive into that we dive into uh the diet he's taken on is really unique i've never heard anyone do it like this quite like this before um so we'll we'll get into that but but really we we just jump into a whole bunch of different kind of mindsets um uh concepts and philosophies that that angus has and it was awesome man like i'm gonna be honest i went into the conversation for whatever reason i was having a very uh anxiety filled day and really for no apparent reason like there was nothing out of the ordinary that was really giving me anxiety but i was just having one of those days and i feel like i mean i know i've had them recently and and i from based off of conversations with friends and things like that like it is kind of a norm and I think it's probably due to um, the intake of just information that that we're getting and and you know when when I'm at home most of the day it's like I'll jump on my phone way more often than I probably should and it can be stressful it adds a lot of stress to your life it it kind of takes away your focus and your attention um from the moment and i think anything that's taking our attention away from the moment can be anxiety causing so um i was having one of those days uh sat down talked with angus and as soon as we were done with the conversation i was like man i just feel like a billion times better right now like i i just for whatever reason that stress kind of washed away uh and i think a lot of it actually has to do with what we discussed uh in the episode so especially he brings up something this idea of like four pillars of health where um you have these four things that build up whether like your your health and this is physical health mental health emotional health and then spiritual health and i'm gonna be honest i feel like physical uh, mental and emotional, I'm doing a pretty good job with, but spiritual health, I was like, Whoa, I didn't even think about that. And, and I think that is actually the, the main part that gets eroded away when you are dealing with constant distractions in your life. And, and for me too, sometimes the distractions is having this to-do list of things to do every day and all these different roles that I'm playing, um, you know, as dad, husband, uh uh teacher dude with podcast <laughs> uh things like that and it's it can be almost overwhelming because sometimes you have one of the hats on and you're in teacher role for example but really you're thinking about um you know the dad role and you're just not in 100% invested in your moment and and I think that's something we can all kind of work on uh especially me i guess maybe not we all but me especially something i could work on so um anyways guys i hope this episode is as beneficial to you as it was to me uh thank you angus for coming back on the show and let's just dive right into it this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 211 with angus peacock You're in the midst of this crazy and awesome one million step challenge. And uh, you're just telling me about the good, the bad, the ugly. So if you want to just jump into the bad right away, that would be a great way to start. Yes. So um, 
So I'll, I'll take that back a couple of steps. So I've decided weekly to write a journal on this as part of a, I'm treating this as a professional exercise for recalibration, learning purposes, learning and development. And I was this weekend speaking to a friend of mine who's big in the arts and was talking about how music is contextual for life. And the week prior, I went, there you go, that's it. Because the week prior, Ennio Morricone died, who was the um, soundtrack composer for the Spaghetti Westerns when Clint Eastwood was young, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. So I thought, that's it. That's going to be the formatting. Music as a context for life, it, it really resonated. And The Good, The Bad and The Ugly is something. So when I do coaching, or I've been doing coaching in the past with people, I would look at, okay, what's good? What are we achieving? What's less good? What's bad? What's not going so well? And then off the back of that, let's look at uh, how do we adjust? And because no one likes adjustments or changes in life, that's why I'm calling that the ugly. <laughs> because it's, that's the piece you've got to do to succeed. Um, so starting with the bad, yeah, so uh, diabetes is, a, is an issue. A lot of people suffer. I don't have it. Um, but I know people who've had type 1 or got type 1, got type 2, and... Um, and my little sister, so my little brother died five years ago from cancer. And every year my little sister would do um, a fundraiser. She's not an athlete. Um, she never has been an athlete. But once a year she'll do a big fundraiser for cancer research. This year she's flipped out. She's, you know what, diabetes is horrible. I'm going to do it for diabetes. Who will join me? And um, so stay. this is still arguably bad because then I got the emotional blackmail from sort of her and my wife saying, well, you should do this. I was going, why not? What, what, what have I done to deserve this? So I, I said, okay, yeah, I'm in. And, and I hadn't done any math of being stuck on a sofa in isolation for three months. So very, very rudimentary. So no prep, bad. No, no expectation that this is coming around the corner. Bad. Told it's a one million step challenge. So I've got to go from what I'm calling right now sofa to loafer in a very short space of time. Not good. And then this last week, so I'm into week three and I do the math. And, you know, this isn't one million steps. This is 1.7 million steps. It's also a, bad. That's a bit of a difference, you know. That's a 70% uplift on our expectations. Um, and then the other bad on that is obviously age, right? And I'm, I'm one year off my 50th, so you don't recover um, joints, muscle mass, carrying too much weight, all the bads. There's a big basket of bads I've got to deal with on this journey. Well, let's talk about the good. I mean, first of all, super good cause. Um, it's kind of cool, like, so I'm assuming your sister is taking this on. Was she the one that came up with this idea or? Well, um, she came up with the idea of doing it. And, okay. you know, I know annually she will do this stuff and I'll give her a few bucks, you know, just to support whatever she's doing and we'll encourage her to go out and do something. So traditionally she's done like um, an overnight marathon. So walking marathons around London and stuff like that as part of the course. But this year, out of nowhere, she said, I found this and I'm going to do it and it's completely crazy, but I want someone to do it with me. So I sort of have to respect the courage um, as well as the cause. And, you know, I thought I can't leave her on her own. That's, that's a really tough gig. So my, my inner protector came out and, and looking at the COVID time, you know, there's a lot of people need support in COVID in the COVID or post COVID era. So you know, when, when the chips are down, you, you find out people's true colours, don't you? So I said, okay, I'm in. I'll support you. This is your cause, but I'll, I'll support you as, you know, as, as be there alongside you all the way. Honestly. Yeah. Is there a bit of competitiveness with your sister? No, none whatsoever. She's, yeah. she's no, I, I was the athlete. I was competitive. You know, I see everything as a competition or a fight to be had. She's the most loving, gentle person you'll ever come across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, so what? It's, it's, <laughs> what? What else? What else is good? Like, what else was in the good there? I mean, obviously, I, from my outside perspective, it's like having purpose. You know, um, having a challenge, having something that's going to like 
push you physically, but also mentally and, and all that? Yeah, so, so the good stuff is three weeks in, I'm not injured. And, and um, you know, because my inner competitor, so she's, her routine, so she's over in the UK, in South London, her routine is 4.30, get up 4.30, two rounds of dog walking, go to work, come back from work, whatever step she's accumulated, and finish off with a late afternoon round of dog walking or, or going to get a daughter from school. Uh, she's got to go and do groceries, just eliminate the car from her life, essentially. Um, for me, I was thinking, okay, I've got to have a purpose because, you know, there's a lot of those people out there who've been furloughed and, and I'm thinking, mentally I'm thinking, okay, what's next? What's coming around the corner? How do I reposition my life? So the good thing about this is having a purpose and, and just suddenly going, you know what, I can pick this challenge up. I'm going to do it. Um, but then off the back of that thinking, this is a massive task. So last time you and I spoke, we spoke about the Gobi March. Yeah. And at the end of week one, I was saying to my spouse, the Gobi March, which was at, at the age of 38, 40, um, 38, 39 or 40, wherever I was in my age, was the toughest thing I did. And again, I told you with no prep. Mentally, it was so tough and physically super tough. But that was over in one week. This has got 12 weeks and um, I've just got to keep going. So it's forced me to focus on, on a daily task, which is basically achieve um, a, a half marathon every day. So and I think anyone goes out for a five-mile run or a six-mile run or even a three-mile run on a daily basis is doing a good job in life. But I'm, I'm now yeah. doing roughly 11 to 12 miles every day on foot six days a week. So in terms of mental calibration and professional skill sets, I've got to plan my day, plan food. What am I eating? What am I drinking? How am I consuming it? When am I consuming it? Um, and th so the good thing is having a fixed target with a fixed uh, end date and then knowing the volume you've got to work through is, is, is helping me get a little bit livelier or sharper on my thinking. Um, and so forcing a daily routine that I might not have had and therefore what time I do have between step count moments, if you like, or, or sequences is um, very, very precious. So therefore I use it wisely and I focus on things I want to do, value add things to my life right now that I can do and just keep chopping out deadwood. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's no room for it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, funny that you bring up the food idea because I'm, I know people in the past have told me they're like, you run, you know, you're a runner, you go out and get your daily, daily run in. So surely you can eat any food you want. And I'm kind of like, no, like you need to change that mindset because if I eat all the junk food that I want to eat, I'm not able to go out and do those daily runs without getting injured or without getting hurt. You know what I mean? So like I almost have to eat cleaner when I'm putting on more miles in, in order in, like to be capable of putting on more miles. Yeah. hundred percent so to that point. So, um, because I'm looking at diet and intensity is, is two key areas. So on the dietary side, um, I don't know how much of this I've shared with you before, if anything. I, you know, and this is why I'm sporting this silver fox beard, because I'm reading a big, big, big fan of people who've adventured in the Arctic, Antarctic, through the desert, whatever. You, know, you look back 50 to 100 years, there was dudes out there with, with no technical clothing, no technical food, nothing that we just take for granted today they're you know they're, they're they're working it out as they go along you know shoes there was no there was no barefoot running or or technical footwear it was just whatever you've got in your feet you go yeah. with it and um, you know there was no uh, wick away fabrics all that kind of stuff so i'm looking at reading a lot so big fan of arctic exploration and antarctic exploration but now a bit hooked into the early days of the british special special forces and and what were they doing in the desert 
1941 through 42, how they came and how they survived. What were they eating? What were they wearing? And part of that is, well, if they could do that then, then I can do this now. So it's looking for context in terms of what humans truly capable of. Um, And, you know, because we rely so much on an expensive product to get us through. Um, So the product for one side, the food thing is really interesting. So I went to my wife, a hobby I started doing about two months ago as well. You know, let's start, I'll start cooking. I'll learn to cook. So I got a New York Times recipe book. And I said to her, we're going to go, oh, you know, we don't have a type big budget, but let's make it as natural as we can, get rid of processed foods, manufactured sugars, all that kind of thing. And I'll learn to cook and I'll make recipes. And we're having a great time doing that. So that's where this comes in. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what am I going to eat every day? So I'm, I'm getting a little bit weird, a little bit fixated on, can I do 12 plus miles a day and with everything else I've got to do on a World War Two combat soldiers diet. What does that consist of? Like when you were talking about the desert and the British Army, what what kind of food were they eating at the time and what kind of equipment so did they have did, and stuff? So in very simple terms, they were packed off into the like they were doing like forty miles or fifty miles across the desert, you know, on an insurgency with Dates, raisins, water, tea, some bread or some hardtack biscuit. But you don't get things like milk, sugar. You know, so if you come back to regular forces back then, they'll have a bit of uh, meat in their diet. They'll have a bit of um, uh, milk and sugar in in their diet or jam, whatever's available, um, depending on which arena they're in. Um, So if you look at the, the the differences between a, a special forces diet on a combat insurgency mission there is what you can carry in the pockets. So there's no chocolate, there's no, you know, there's tea, but no coffee. So you've got some caffeine, there's, there's whatever you can keep in terms of bread. But when you get back to base, that's when you expect to have a next meal. So that's, that's a really extreme way of looking at it. And that's going to take a bit of time. But things like, how I've adapted that is, okay, I can, eggs are easy to boil. So I've got a ration of eggs per week. I can, I've learned to make bread. So um, I control what goes into the bread. So I know that I'm making bread like the French do, no additives, right? So it's, it's here's the flour, yeast, sugar, salt, water, bam. Experimenting with things that I can put in the bread, like fresh things like maybe a bit of onion or a bit of carrot or banana just to pep it up a bit or a bit of olive oil. Um, But then during the day, it's in the morning, maybe a handful of nuts and water, gallon of water a day, absolutely, particularly at altitude. Altitude does make a difference. And then in the evening when I do get a meal, it's like, it's those things I've just mentioned, but the thing I'm laughing at right now is I'm I'm getting an addiction to cheese. And I think it's because cheese has salts and enzymes in it that my body's craving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, you, you do, you go through these cravings because you're depleted of it, you know, um, were they having cheese back then? Like, um, so it depends. Like you go to like the French and the Italians had cheese in their, their packs. Um, I don't, the Americans and the Brits didn't necessarily have, have that. But again, you know, they, a lot of people scavenge food. Um, you talk about like the, the desert troopers and they'd meet a Bedouin tribe and they'd get some lamb in their diet or goat um, or if they could hunt a gazelle. So they would get some meat protein depending on where they were in the moment and what they could get. But then you look at what the Russians were eating, you know, they had a lot of potatoes and root vegetables, so onions, potatoes, beets, and we're, we're very good at making, you know, home cooking for yeah. their troops um and then you know different you know germans and russians have a lot of dark or ripe breads and the brits a lot of white bread um things like that the americans would bring coffee over um all that kind of stuff so there's stuff out there that you can narrow down you can narrow down what you eat 
if you're willing to do the work on it and you can um, experiment so you, you can change things out so don't you don't it's not it's not really wartime so I don't need to go too extreme but I'm, I it's just a way to give myself a physical thing to do with to help maintain mental focus yeah yeah well and then it eliminates all the eating out and the junk food and stuff like that what what's your wife thinking during this whole thing well bearing in mind she pushed me into it she doesn't have really any room to to judge anything right now (laughs) that's true yeah there you go she's like you're just eating Um, dates all day you're just having dates and you're like yeah hey you you made me do this well I tell you what, our refrigerator no look no longer looks like a student's refrigerator because there's all those things. Don't eat out, save money. Um, you know, we're potentially going to be living on hard times. But then she she's really complimentary. She loves the cooking. She loves you know fresh food with fresh ingredients. And, and actually, in fairness to her, you know, well I'll say here's some things for the week that we're getting down on. Can you you know, you'll be the logistics officer. And she'll go out and look for ingredients and uh, see what she can match to, and then and then creatively, when I, I just look at what's out there, and then as the week goes by, I'll see what can I do creative with the ingredients we've got to make a, a fun meal. Yeah. Well, how have you noticed? I mean, have you noticed even in the three weeks you know since you started this the one million step challenge? Have you noticed like a change in just? the way your body feels or, or weight loss or anything like that, like already, like this early in? Yeah. Um, do you know, and, and the thing with routine, if you set a routine and if you stick with it for two weeks, it becomes a routine and it becomes a lot easier. So that was my initial concern. And the hooking was my little sister. I, I'm not going to let her down. I'd feel a, that'd be the worst kind of action if I let my little sister down. So I've got to be in this. If I'm going to say go, then it's go. Yeah. Um, so she was the anchor point. And then from there, it was a case of, okay, what can I achieve? So um, it's it's been really good in the sense that it's really got me fixed in a daily routine. So I'm a little bit of an introvert and I'm, I can be a little bit weird at times, get fixated on things. So if people snap routines or break processes, I can get really grumpy. Um, so it's really important for me to have this routine that impacts me, but doesn't necessarily affect other people in a negative way. Um, but yeah, I'll be up at between 5.30, 5.15 and 5.45 every day, get up, drink some water, drink some coffee, uh, reflect on my next steps and think about the day ahead and by 6.45, so I went to, I live in an apartment complex. So I went to uh, the property management or dispensation to use the gym, signed a waiver, clean it on the way in, clean it on the way out. 6.45 to originally 9.30, I want to get X number of steps. Now I'm probably started this at 260 pounds. So I, I don't look at weight. And mathematically, it's ne- well, number one, it's never been easy for me to lose weight. I'm a pretty big dude. Um, number two, if you look at anyone, whether it's you or me, mathematically, if you set yourself weight loss as a target, I think that's why a lot of people fail in their objectives because you've got to burn one, one pound of fat is roughly equivalent to uh, 200, 250 calories. So 250 calories equivalates to roughly 30 minutes of intensity on a treadmill or a run or, or whatever. Now, the, when you look at humans, you don't, you don't go burn 30 minutes, burn off 250 and I've lost a pound of weight because you immediately eat something and put it back on. So the trick is in the diet and the routine and the diet's a massive, massive yeah. one. So yeah. you can do as much exercise as you like, but if you can't regulate what you put in your body, the weight's not going to come off. You're on a hiding to nothing. So the improvements there, um, weight loss is sort of an incremental long-term gain for me, for sure. And I'd like to lose about 20 to 30 pounds, maybe a bit more. Um, But, you know, I'll deal with that down the road. Um, The other reason why weight loss for me is really important is, you know, because of age and joints, 
I have to up my intensity. So what I have noticed is week on week, a lot happier than I've been in a long time. Um, I'm really enjoying actually the challenge. It is quite intense, but don't think about the challenge. Think about the process. What can I do to make this fun, make it better? And I've got a couple of weird things I'm doing, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, um, but then how do I increase intensity? So from week one to week two to yesterday, start of week three or four, whichever one I'm in I'm right now, I don't know, I'll go back to that, is I've designed a process which forces me to up the intensity every week without um, damaging hips, ankles or, or tendons that, that, that I, at my age, are not going to recover from in time to finish this task. Yeah. So getting my yeah. competitor under control. So to, for an example specific was week one, I can do this. And you know what? I'm going to do backpack, weighted backpacks, a great way to lose weight. So everything I do indoors on a treadmill or elliptical routine, I'm going to carry about 20 pound backpack. After week one, it's going, this isn't sustainable. So at the first weekend, had a little chat with myself, park your ego, keep reducing intensity so I can get volume up. So just be a normal human being. Normal human beings, they walk. Right, so I get into my walking routine, then I'll design a brand new process to allow me to increase volume safely um, and that's where I'm at. And that's, that's been, a, mathematically, it's a big challenge, but it's been really, really good because it's offsetting that, like all athletes, all competitors have an ego, so offsetting ego with reality and then managing the incremental builds and feeling yourself getting stronger and happier and having a positive task every week and, 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 and so the specifics around that have allowed me that, right, I'm starting now, started last week and this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I front load those days as many steps as I, as I can because by Thursday, Friday, I'm a bit tired, might want to do something else. So I need to taper off Sunday, scratch it. If I lie in bed on day and do zero steps, that should be okay and eat what I like for Sunday. And then Saturday is the morale day. So we plan a hike, get out in the bush and go bird watching and get out away from people and just get a 12 mile hike in the wilderness with the spouse and the dog. Um, so it's those are mental processes as well as physical processes that you're building to give yourself something to look forward to. Yeah. Because when I'm, yeah. I'm walking up the stairs, so I'm building the stairs, I'm on the ninth floor. When I'm walking up the stairs, at 18,000 steps today, looking at the stairwell, which is concrete, whitewashed concrete, and scrub like the dirt. That's not inspiring. <laughs> no, I totally understand. Yeah. I love that uh, the idea of offsetting ego with reality. Um, and I'm just curious like, is that something you've learned? from being an athlete or is that something you've learned from your time as a coach? Like, did you have to ever have to sit one of your athletes down and kind of like have a reality check with them or something? Yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. And, and I've learned that as a coach mainly. And, and I've learned that in, in business leadership as well is in your leadership role, you, you've got to deal with the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, and, and, I think coaches oftentimes make massive mistakes in pushing people to a point where they break. And, and that's, that's, so, you know, you see it a lot, play through your injuries. It's only pain, you know, pain is weakness, leaving the body. I've heard all those statements, laughed at some of them, but in reality, when you look after your athletes, you've got to challenge them effectively to go beyond their boundaries that they think they have today but then you have to know when to rein it back in because coach athletes trust their coaches. And if you smash them, then you're guilty of smashing them and creating a problem. So yeah, hundred percent comes out of same with, with organizational leadership. We've all got stretch goals. What's healthy, what's ethical. Um, what do we need to push? And when do we take our foot off the gas, give people a break. And um, so it's a really poignant question because in this time of you know, layoffs, I'm sitting here going, you know what? 
I'm going to use myself as the target of my own professional leadership and my own professional coaching and give myself a taste of my own medicine and, 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 and use it to hone, hone those skills. Yeah. Do you find um, that it's harder? Do you find that it's harder for you to do that for yourself or, you know, have those discussions with other people? You know, like I know for me, like I can definitely do the offsetting ego with reality thing and have that discussion with my seventh grade students. But then when I try to have it with me, I'm like, oh no, but I got this. Like I can totally push myself, you know? And, and then like you said, like injuries happen or overtraining or stuff like that. Yes. So um, it's, I don't think it's ever easy to, to point out anyone's third arm. So it's, it's how you approach it is, is critical. Um, if I, I, I do it, if I can rationalize it professionally, then I can, I find it easy to have those conversations. Um, because I find it very easy to just sit with people and say, Hey mate, here's where we are. Let's have a chat about this, how you get it on. Um, you know, get people to chill out a bit but with myself as, as a quite introverted outside of the professional rationalization. I used to really struggle. Don't want to speak to people don't really want to talk about anything that's going on in my head and um, I'm either on or I'm off and that, that's that can be unhealthy and, and that's a mental challenge I've been dealing with in, um, so I've been with myself I've actually been quite strict and, and that's why partly I've probably wrapped this up as a professional task and then I back myself in into a corner not only with my sister but putting it writing about it on LinkedIn which is a professional place where people know me so that way by doing those two things I can't back out of it and therefore I have to treat it professionally and that helps me deal with myself um, but equally I, I you know I, I sometimes in my head I'm mimicking former drill instructors from the military come on peacock get your you know, blah together and so on and so forth you know, get a grip, son, what are you doing? And I talk to myself in that voice, and then I start laughing. I go, oh, man, it's a good job there's no one around because people think you're crazy. Um, but it's, it's really funny where you, you psychologically, I tap into people that I know from my leadership past, you know, who are leading me, military or non-military, and I imitate the ones in my head that got me over the hump. Um, and that's, that's, those are mechanisms I use to keep plodding along. And then, you know, phraseology that you pick up. Um, some of it's not repeatable, so I'm not going to say it on air. But the, those are things that, um, that uh, help me get through the week. Um, and, you know, one of my friends kindly pointed out, you know, well, you're nearly 50. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> You've got no room to have an ego anymore. I mean, well, thanks very much. Um, so that was a cold bucket of water over the head. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I always just remember the first moment where I really dealt with my ego. And it was me and my friends came out from Iowa. I was in my 20s. I was in college still. And we came out to climb Long's Peak. We did this stupid thing that like, everyone does that's why long's peak is one of the most dangerous mountains out here is because just idiots come out and try to climb it without any experience exactly what we did and altitude sickness just kicked my ass so hard that i got to this certain point and i just had to sit down and i waited for three hours while my friends made it to the top came back down and i just remember it almost being a good experience for me to have, especially in my twenties where it's like, Oh yeah. Like you, you need to understand, like at times there are possible limitations and, and you know, maybe if I had more experience, I could have pushed through that obviously, but, um, yeah. but it was, it was good for me. And I feel like that's something that you get through rugby or you get through doing an endurance thing like this, where you get to face that ego like head on basically. Well, yeah, and, and, and to your point, you know, a 20 year old male is different to a 
40-year-old mouse. 25 years ago, I was, I was in my head unbeatable. I'd, I'd fight the world and win as far as I'm as concerned. Um, but again, there's that old adage about you learn as much from failure as you do from success, probably more. And, and so this is a case of if, if, if you don't adapt life experience to something like this, you're going to fall down. And you can only look, to my mind, at that point, you can only look at one place, and that's you. Um, and therefore, you know, it would be impetuous and foolish not to think about, when did I last do something like this? Where am I today? How am I going to make this happen? And, you know, I'm not 25 and about to... Now, when I was 28, I did a five-day adventure in the Alps, walked across the Alps from Switzerland into Italy through France on my own, no support, 25 kilos, so it's 50, kilo, 50 pound backpack. Just went through it, nearly killed myself twice, including a freak whiteout blizzard, and came down the other side. And I thought, yeah, I've done that, but I'm not there today. Yeah. You know, I'm at 10K backpack, backpack two or three times a week, not a 25 kg or 50 pound backpack every day of the week. So you, you, you just got to recognize where you are in your own body and in your own mind space and adapt to it and, and not be ashamed of it. I think a lot of ego is driven by shame. You know, if I don't do this, then I'm weak. If I don't do this, then I'll fail. If I don't do this. And, and I think human brains are sort of wired up to the negative rather than the positive. So by, if you can contextualize what you do in a positive framework, um, so there's a new technique I've learned is a mental technique about reframing things. So if you reframe something that's causing you angst and try and look through a different lens where you, it's going to create positivity, then uh, reframe it, look through it, and, and that helps you mentally move along. Yeah, I love, I love that idea because I'm just thinking about myself and teaching, you know, and there's so much angst right now. And it's obviously not just in education, but it's in angst in all walks of life right now. But if we can reframe it as look how adaptive we're going to be and creative and how much we're going to grow in our in whatever we're doing you know, because of these obstacles in our way, I think that can be like really, really beneficial. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can use to make yourself better. You're not necessarily going to influence those around you, but you might do. If you can make yourself better and, and do good things and do better things, then, you know, humans pick up um, nonverbal comms, and if they see and they'll get attracted to oh, how do we do the right thing or the good thing and and angst is a really it's like it's like a disease isn't it it just spreads through people and and it's very destructive and it's like a it's like a conscious battle to fight against negativity and and stay positive particularly in you know there's a looming storm cloud coming down over the mountains that i can see and that's very uh, poetically appropriate to this because it's you know, when the, when the storm clouds are low, you, you've got to work harder to stay positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Well, I, I kind of was kicking myself the last time we talked about not really, we talked about your, your Gobi March and specifically this one day, I, I, I'm trying to remember what day it was, but this really difficult moment. And I, I wanted to ask you just what do you, cause it's like you, people always try to avoid the low moments and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I feel like you gain so much from them. So when you left just that very specific moment, like what did you gain in your life from that? Um, from that particular, if you know what I'm talking about, I just remember you mentioned this really difficult section of that race. Yeah. It's the two things spring to mind. There was the day that was, I think it was a hundred miler. And um, I knew I wasn't going to compete it. And that was like going through the Turpan Basin, which is 45 meters. So that's 120, 130 feet roughly below sea level through salt flats. Um, and I'm and that particular day, I know I'm setting out to do something that I, I just can't get to the end of. And, and, you know, this is day four, not day one. And the, the most I'd ever achieved in a single day was about you know 25 30 miles 
So this is three to four times bigger. But I remember on that day, actually there's a phrase around that I've just been reading recently, it's called the Siberian Dilemma. Siberian Dilemma is you fall through a frozen lake and you're gonna die in a couple of minutes or you get out of the lake and you're gonna die in five minutes. What do you do, right? And it's about getting out the lake and taking a positive action. Because if you get out the lake, start moving around, warm up your body, you start thinking a bit clearer, you might find other things or see things that you haven't seen before or opportunities that you're not aware of to get you out of the hole that you're in. But don't just sit in the hole and, and, and allow yourself to die. So um, I think, you know, my learnings from going back to that 100 miler in a day is, is even if you don't think you can achieve a task, you know, if it's something you've got to do, get into it. Because if you allow it to overwhelm you, you want, you're going to be, you're going to die in the lake. Whereas if you get, move into the challenge, you're going to uncover knowledge, you're going to uncover um, ability that, you, that might be latent that you're not aware of, or you might discover an opportunity that you, you've not seen before and it's sitting right in front of you. And, you know, coming back to ego, um, it's, it's not about comparing yourself with the other person who, oh, I can do a hundred miler in a day because I'm a, one of the world's top 10% endurance athletes. It's about comparing yourself with yourself in the moment. And is this actually an achievement in my life? Yes, it bloody is. And one of the things I try and teach people to do, whether it's business coaching or, or people coaching or athletic coaching is don't let people knock you down. You're the one who knows where you are in your world. You're the hero in your own adventure. So embrace the good, look for it. You know, it's panning for gold, but it's there. Um, and because there's a tendency in society to knock each other down and, and, and then the other, the other moment I think you might be referring to, which is really traumatic, was, and I think it's relevant a bit to the now, is the young fella who died. So we went into this part of the desert, which was, that was like a 65 degree day Celsius. So that's what, 140 Fahrenheit, roughly. That's and insane. He took a wrong turn. Yeah. And, and, and he took a wrong turn and died. Um, and, and talk about taking a wrong turn in life. Um, and the reflection on that was, I, I, I went in the desert behind him, so everyone else thought I'd died, and I came out the other side, and, and I learned about myself that, you know, I, I'd push away help. Oh, Angus, you okay? Yeah, go away, leave me alone. Because I was in so much pain physically with my feet and, and my body, and, and I'd, I'd nearly put myself to death in that. Uh, oven-based desert or desert-based oven, whichever way that works. And I just want to sit. I'm sitting. I just want to sit down, and have a cup of tea, put my feet up, because I've got no other process. Um, which is, which is self-centered, because I need to look after the me. Um, and and I don't want to process other people's emotions because people were freaking out about the young fella who died. And then I'm thinking back in those quiet moments, in those dark times, we as, whether we're working for a local company, big company, small company, in a, in a business unit, or wherever we are in our lives, you know, school, college, work, sports event, we are part of a community and we're part of a team, whatever we're doing, one way or another. And what could I have done to stop that guy dying? I knew him well enough. I didn't know him before the event, but after two or three days of, of what you're going through, you know people. When when the when like times like now, people's true colours come out. And there was enough of us there who could have said, Hey Nick, slow down. Right? Enough of us. Nick, just slow down. You've got to chill out, mate. You're brand new to this kind of endurance event. You are young and you're full of energy, but this this one's serious. And you know, I even going back further is Quite rightly, everyone was mad at the organisers and the management of the event. But we, are, we were all adults. We all bought into this. We all, we all agreed to do this, signed our waivers, so on and so forth. But as, as adults, we were in a position to say, no, this isn't right. Let's start. We know what we're walking into. Let's ask a few more questions about are we equipped for this? 
and we could have forced a change on the way through. So we could have said, you know what, we're not going through this one at a time. Let's go, let's, let's scrap the race, scrap the competition, because this is super dangerous. And let's teamwork through, force the organisers to pick us up in groups of five or six and, go, and just guide it through. Because that one challenge alone, in the context of a race, was the ego overriding rational thought. And what I mean by that is, we've got to compete. We're going to be winner. I want to be top 10, top 20. No, we don't. We've got to come through this and out the other side. This piece, this leg of this competition is, is enough to kill someone, and it did. So let's come up with another part of this. Let's forget the win and or change the parameters around the win. And the win is everyone getting through this intact because this is 140 plus degrees or whatever it is, and it's super bloody dangerous. And, and, and that's to my mind, and there's, that was a massive reflection that I went through on that. And there was, yeah, if I was going to run an event like that, I'm, I'm in permanent risk mitigation mode. But so it's okay to blame people, but in the cold light of day, there was enough of us out there with experience to say, hey, stop, this ain't right. We know what we're walking into, and we've got to be a little bit more sensible around what's the win here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and do you find yourself, so that that was what, like about 10 years ago when you did that race? Yeah, so I just did a, in this crazy past three weeks, I did that, that first one, I t- Went on my own through the Alps, I was 28, 28 going on to 29, just picked up a backpack, Gobi March, 38 going on 39, I'm now 48 going on 49, and I was like, what's going on here, is, is this like a, a 10 year itch? That's that what they I say. Have to do something really dumb. They say like the, uh, like 29, 39, 49, like those years is, is the years where you see people do, you know, more kind of like big time adventure kind of situations you know yeah so i'm worried about what am i going to do when i'm 59 and can i keep myself in sufficient good good form to be able to <laughs> pick up an age appropriate challenge in the next 10 years heck yeah um, man you'll be doing it for sure yeah prediction prediction here and then you can come back on the podcast you know when you're when you're 59 yeah exactly <laughs> well, oh my goodness yeah um, well i was gonna this, ask this like, do you find yourself, because I guess just the way I always look at it, I go and I do an event and then I learn something during that event and I take yep. part of it away. And obviously like you don't take the whole entire thing away, all the lessons away, but you take a part of it away. And then after, you know, a few months or a year, that, that lesson has kind of faded, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. do you find yourself like thinking back to that and reflecting on it because that was such a gigantic challenge um you know in your life do you find yourself thinking back to it often or is it something that just you know periodically or you even kind of like left behind at this point yeah yeah so um one thing i learned after i went through my professional coach training was the the power of reflection and, and having a philosophy whether it's a coaching philosophy or a life philosophy, it's, it's irrelevant. But you've got to have a philosophy. And the, I look back over the last 10 years and think about how many things um, I let go of, um, you know, because I allow other people to pressure me. To, this is what society says you should do. This is what life, you know, dictates to you. This is how you should be as a person. And it's very very easy to get sidetracked and 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 you know one of the one of one of the I, i'll give you a couple of real live examples of that one for me very personal ones number one is i know better to look after my body right um but i, I allowed the pressures of the industry i was in to erode away um my self-care right and then erode away my self-belief in you know um, if I look after myself, it's selfish because I need to look after others kind of, and I got stuck in this cycle of, um, this sort of downward spiral of not looking after myself where I knew full better. Rationally, I know better. If I'm in a good frame of mind, mentally, you know, you, you have four pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. If those four pillars, they need to be balanced, but they're intact. You're going to be in a good space. 
and I went through this period where I could just see them all forward and falling down like this. Physical went, yeah. emotional went, mental went, and the last thing that left was spiritual. And I hit rock bottom a few years ago where I had, I didn't even know what my, and when I say spiritual, it's not just about going to church. It's what do I believe in? Where's it all gone? And so I, I allowed professional pressures to, to, to erode the four, those four pillars. And I could actually go figuratively in my mind's eye, see them going down. And I, and I didn't, couldn't do anything to stop it in some cases or didn't. And, and, and I think it's you know, looking after yourself isn't selfish. Um, but having effective boundaries that you can respect and you, you can engage others with to respect are really, really important in life. And if you allow the things you love to um, crush you, then you're probably loving the wrong things. Yeah. No, dude, that's, that's wonderful. I just wrote that down because to an, to a certain extent, you know, you just bringing that up made me realize like, wow, like, is that happening to me, you know, in my life too, especially the spiritual, like, what do you really believe in and, and, you know, what do you draw energy from? And, you know, it's just, if that's something you're not nurturing every single day, like, it's it can go away you know yeah and you know i love sports and the sports industry but it started to crush me and, yeah. I, and i was going this is this is not what i signed up to this is not why i came into this for you know and and if, uh, yeah and it's very um john steinbeck of mice and men you know the, the character lenny and that crushes the things he loves to the extent that people have to take them away from him yeah. And I, I think, you know, thank you for, for your response to that, because I think a lot of people in life struggle with that. And I don't think society can be, it gives enough forgiveness around, there's a lot right now in the world on mental health awareness, and more and more organizations are waking up to it. And, but I think society can be a little bit unforgiving around that. And it's still dealt with in a, in a shame, the fact, you know, if I have a problem, and I'm perceived as weak and I'm ashamed of it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's we, we think about it as a, an issue for veterans and combat veterans with PTSD and it is, but I think life, life's changing a lot. And, and um, there's going to be a lot of people out there struggling with, with some of those things. And we, we just need to learn to be a little bit more, you know, forgiving of other people's peccadilloes. Yeah. Well, and, and even like, (laughs) even, even like distraction wise, like, I feel like that wears people down. And I know for me, you know, especially like right now being at home, you know, and, and being at home most of the day, it it just allow, like, I'm almost allowing myself to constantly look for distractions just purely out of boredom and instead of just being okay with being bored i'm like oh now i'm gonna just move on to this thing and this thing and this thing and i'm not i just need to allow myself to have time to just like be okay just sitting there you know so yeah as ever i've got another good analogy um but you know i think because we live in this world of instant gratification um you know that people a lot of times don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And I've been through exactly the same process. Um, and I've sat down a couple of times and I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And I caught myself, you know, shifting around, looking for stuff to fiddle with. And I thought, you know what? No, just sit down, take time to think. And, 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 and it's, it's a discipline, you know, be with yourself and get to know yourself as a person, which can frighten people. Um, but coming back to the cooking thing, I decided one day I was going to cook a risotto because I've heard about risotto and it's complex. So I found a recipe and the recipe's going, oh, you'll never see this, um, you know, uh, um, because restaurants don't do them properly because it's too complex. No one's got enough time, blah, 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 blah. And I learned about this prospect of toasting rice and making proper risotto. It took 40 minutes, right, to make a fresh risotto with all the right ingredients, 40 minutes isn't a long time. Yeah. If you haven't got time in your life at home to spend 40 minutes doing something of value that's good for you, physically, mentally, whatever, then you've probably got some serious life issues to consider. 
but but the point being to my mind that was a real reflection i was going 40 minutes doesn't take long i can understand in a commercial kitchen whilst you know a customer's not willing to wait 40 minutes for a fresh made risotto and toasting rice and therefore you know, you know in a restaurant you've got to think about volume time volume consumers who's going to consume it and otherwise and it might not be a, a viable prospect in terms of your family life or, or why not why not say to a, go into an italian restaurant and say yeah i want a real risotto and i'm willing to wait for it and yeah. take time to chew the food and talk to your friends and and have a glass of wine or beer or whatever your poison is and, and just just get back to some old school conversation yeah no that's amazing man i i've really like i've just if you can see i have a notebook here and the black was what i was like planned beforehand but the red is just like <laughs> oh this is all good stuff like for my own benefit it seems like but really i was just about to kind of just wrap up things and yeah and just say like i really i really appreciate you know doing the podcast because it allows me to kind of observe life from a different perspective and there's so much value to that you know and hearing your perspective and some of your psychology that's involved here like it really is like inspiring me to get out of you know you get into your routine and and you know kind of like mindless mode and it's it's inspiring me to kind of like jump out of that so so i appreciate it man <laughs> well no, that's really cool and, and yeah i'm so glad that we managed to connect because i thought who would be interested in this because i'm going to journal on it every week anyway yeah. i've given you a connection to my linkedin and and i just you know it's so much fun last talking about the gobi march and rugby and COVID's changed everyone's lives. And, you know, and if, if we do some good, not just by doing the event, but just by talking about it and inspiring people to, you know, pan for gold and, and look for rays of sunshine, then I think we're, we're doing a service to the community at large. Um, and I've got other stuff. I mean, we haven't even explored, you know, behaviours of athletes or process and all those kinds of things. So I'd love to come back on if we could do one or two more heck yeah man see how we're evolving um and um just explore some of those themes and, and see what comes out and, and I'm, I'm right about now as i said i've got this um my my inner athlete is called the silver tortoise <laughs> and silver you can see the color of my beard here right is and the tortoise is as in the tortoise and the hair yeah that's awesome so, man you know, the old story so in my head that's my that's my athletic you know marvel character if you like the silver tortoise and and i'm just trying to punch through this one day at a time heck yeah man well hey let's have you come back on you know uh at, you know into a little bit more into the project or maybe at the end and kind of like see how it went and and all of that hopefully you know, you just kicked, kicked complete butt and now your beard's going to be gigantic and, and all that. But uh, where can people kind of go and support? Because like you said, you're, you're doing this in support of uh, diabetes research. So where can people go on and support that? Yeah. Um, so it's um, step.diabetes.org.uk forward slash pages forward slash Hannah dash 78. And that'll take you to my page. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So, and what you'll see on there is my little sister, Hannah, her story, her fundraising target. And, and those are all her, her challenges and where she's at right now. It's a little summary page of the work, what she's achieving. Um, and then you're linked into my, uh, are we connected on LinkedIn? I don't think we are. Actually, I don't even know if I have a LinkedIn. I'm going to be honest. Um, but you sent me you yeah you sent me your the link to to it so maybe i'll be able to link that yeah if you're able to connect back there you you'll, you personally will see what i write up each week and be able to keep track of it um, perfect man I've got, I've got a friend helping me start a blog page because i want to write about some of these things i'm not blog savvy so i'm going to be setting up a blog page at the end of um this week so by the time we next speak i'll have a proper blog and there's still room for people um you know to support um and just you know just it's nice to do good in the world 
and that's part of my philosophy, but equally, Anna and I are mindful of the fact that, and, uh, you know, people are suffering financially. So it, this is not a high fundraising target. And you know what? If we don't get the money, we don't get the money. If people can drop a pound or a dollar or a euro, five quid here and there, um, that's great. But we're not trying to knock the, knock the stars out of the sky financially because we're mindful of the fact that a lot of people are suffering financially these days. And um, said we, it feels like we're moving into a whole new world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Angus, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll we'll catch back up with you soon. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I, I really enjoyed that, and, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, and, thanks. Uh, good luck, man. Good luck <laughs> teaching. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show. Um, huge thanks to Angus. Be sure to uh, go to our show notes. Uh, check out how to support um, his 1 million step challenge. Uh, if you're able to, uh, that would be awesome. And, and yeah, like follow along with his journey. We're going to have him back on, uh, towards the end of it and kind of see, see that evolution and that growth, um, throughout, which, which is awesome. I'm super excited to talk with him again. There was a whole bunch of things I had in my notes for the show that I was going to bring up and we didn't even get around to it. And like I said, I just felt like, I got to sit there and I just got to listen to knowledge being dropped on me and I loved it. And it brought up a lot of things for me to think about. I mentioned the four pillars in the intro. Um, but, but really, I mean, the whole idea of, of offsetting your ego with your reality and especially as an athlete, it's hard because you do look back and you're like, Oh, two years ago I was able to blah, 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 blah. And maybe as a runner, you're like, I could run, uh, uh, 10k in this time and you might not be at that point right now and the harder that you just try to jump right back in to that point is is it's not going to be beneficial to you you have to do that slow build up before you can exceed what you've done in the past and the thing i always think about is <laughs> there's this uh, the the common college thing right like you're a, you might be a high school athlete you go to college maybe your athletics isn't like a huge part of your life in college and maybe you you gained some weight maybe you lost some strength um things like that you get out of college and you're like oh man i want to get back into you know being in shape and you might just dive right back in and think like oh well in high school i could bench press whatever 260 or whatever <laughs> and uh then you try to take that up again and you hurt yourself right away, like a week into, into your newfound passion for regaining your health. And now you're injured and now you're going to not be able to develop those habits. And it's, it's very, uh, it's very detrimental to what you're actually trying to accomplish. And so you need to just take that ego hit, you know, and accept the fact that you're not going to necessarily be where you're at. I know for me, if I'm training for a race, um, and it's, let's say the race is in May, right? And so January, I start really focusing in. Um, there are moments where it's frustrating because I'm like, oh man, like last year I was at this level. And as of right now, I'm not there yet. And you're tempted to just go for it and add all those miles in and add that speed in that you used to be at. And if it if it's if you're not there, then you're not there. You know, you have to build up and you have to do it in a smart way. And I that's something I've found, especially over the last few years. Um, that's something where I've I've really tried to dive in and really have that acceptance. Um, whereas when I was in my twenties it was like, oh no, dude, I'm just going to start sprinting and I'm just going to start putting on a billion miles right away. Um, and then eventually, you know, results in injury and, or burnout or, or things like that or overtraining, things like that. So I think that's huge. Uh, that was something I really took away. Um, Angus, like I said, just has knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. He's been a, a coach. He's been in leadership positions. He's created businesses. He's run teams. Um, but he's also been an athlete uh, most of his life. And he's been able to learn and appreciate these lessons. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to catching back up with him. He seems like a super 
awesome dude and i just love being able to kind of like pick his brain as we go so um but yeah guys uh so i mentioned last episode um this is uh episode i'm releasing on a tuesday so there'll be another one at the end of this week either friday or saturday um i have a whole bunch of these recorded i've been able to record quite a bit over the last three weeks uh as a teacher in the summer <laughs> um and a guy just kind of hanging around his house uh playing cards uh with his kid which by the way she's starting to learn how to play cards and board games and i'm ecstatic it's super sweet so uh that's been super fun uh and the, the other benefit is i've been able to just sit down and record a whole bunch of these episodes so i have a bunch of really cool episodes coming up uh next or next week or the next one will be with uh jeffrey james benny um and it's going to be about his film uh, which is called Once is Enough. You can see it on Amazon Prime. It was awesome. He's a comedian um, slash dude who decided he was going to uh, take on ultra running and take on his first 100 miler. And I just find that so, so inspiring, like to go from basically non-athletes to 100 miles and the journey that it takes to do that um, is shown throughout the film. And the other thing I really liked about it and I brought up in the show with him. So I I'm just trying to give you prep so you can prepare by watching the, the film. Cause it's seriously excellent. Um, you know, I I've watched a whole bunch of adventure films and this one captured my imagination. Cause sometimes I'll turn them on and after like 10 minutes, I just zone out and I'm like, eh, you know, but this, he told it in a really engaging way. And I thought he was able to capture the ridiculousness of ultra running with his comedy, uh, while also capturing the emotional significance of it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Like it's a funny sport, you know? You're walking around in the woods, you're limping around, you're jumping over snakes and rocks and stuff, you're tripping, you're bashing your leg, you come in, you just eat pizza, like it's ridiculous, you know? But at the same time, it allows you to have these moments of introspection that are so meaningful in your life. And so it's it's just this weird kind of mixture of, of life, you know? There can be the the lighthearted moments along with the deep dark moments almost within the same instant almost within the same five minutes you know um so it's something that's really cool hope you guys checked out it's called once is enough uh it's on amazon prime is where me and my daughter watched it so that that interview is coming up next uh you know in a couple of days uh it was awesome i really 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 enjoyed chatting with him so uh come back then uh yeah, guys. Hope you're having a good week. We'll talk to you then.